I love to sit and look through those holy pages And read about the eternal rock of ages See all that God has done, the battles he has won The great prophecies unfold In every book from Genesis to Revelation I see his loving grace and this great salvation Brings courage to my soul, for I know he's in control. I believe every word is true. Yes, I believe every word that he said is true. I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do. How I love his precious... It's time now for the Teaching Timeless Truths radio broadcast with Pastor Roger Walton. So get your Bible, a pen, and your Bible study notebook as we journey through the truths of God's Word. And now with today's Timeless Truth, here's Pastor Walton. Psalm 119, Psalm 119. We now enter the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet and the 19th section of 22. We're getting close to the end of this long chapter. 176 verses filled with synonyms of the Word of God. When we get to this section, we find this part of the, the psalm. The psalmist is crying, but he's also seeing some caring. And uh, I'm glad to see when we have our crying that there are the caring times of our Lord. The Lord sees our tears, and he knows each one. He has our tears in a bottle. But it starts off with some crying. Look at what it says in verse 145. I cried with my whole heart. Verse 146, I cried unto thee. Verse 147, I prevented the dawning of the morning and cried. And then he says, mine eyes prevent the night watches. I can't even go to sleep. Uh, So he's got issues that are coming along. And the problem is his enemies are getting close. They're drawing nigh. But we're going to see that there is someone who's a lot closer. So let's take a look at what the psalmist is going through and what the psalmist is saying in this section as we start out with the section on crying, which is verses 145 to 149. Now, as we go through this section, let's look at the first one. I cried. I want you to know it's personal. This is him. He is crying. By the way, uh, this is not just a cry of tears. It really is a strong crying out loud. It has everything of crying, help, save me, I'm in trouble, quick. That, that's the idea of the word crying out, and it's in the perfect tense. So he is saying, I had completely and totally and utterly cried out to you. And he, if you notice that, he says, I need help. And then he says, and I'm doing it with my whole heart. So we see help and heart. You put your heart into the fact that you need help. Where are you going to get the help from? The psalmist knew where to go. He knew the right place. When I think about that, I think about a strange story that's in the Bible where they were uh, chopping down wood, and uh, Elisha said it was okay. They wanted to expand the the school of the prophets, and so they were working hard, and all of a sudden, the axe head flew off and went into the water. And, you know, it it got the guy upset because he had borrowed it. He said the last master for it was borrowed. And uh, there's all of this that's going on to get it back, the miracle of the the axe head swimming back up to the shore. I mean, just a wonderful miracle that you look at and say, uh, what in the world was that all about? Well, here's what it was all about. It was about the fact that somebody was working hard for the Lord 
and then in the midst of it lost the tools that made the work easy. He wasn't paying attention to the things he should have been. He had his eyes on the work and not on the tool of the work. He's looking around at what needs to be done instead of looking at the thing that is making it get done. And we see in that story as he comes that he is crying out, alas, master, for it was borrowed. And his heart is broken because he has absolutely no way to pay it back. And Elijah makes a great, great, great miracle come about. We see the help. I cried out. We see the heart. He did it with his whole heart. Then we see the imperative. Hear me. Hear me. I need you to pick up the ears and listen. I want you to hear me. Answer me. Respond. Testify. Show you're here. What he's saying is, really, I am in trouble. Like when that axe head went in the last master for it was borrowed. He said, hey, master, are you here? I need you. Uh, and what it is is the, that the man knew where to turn to. He knew to turn to the to Elijah. Now, the psalmist knew who to turn to. I cried with my whole heart, hear me, O Lord. I know where to turn. I need you. I need help. I have a heart that needs help, and my whole heart's in this. Now, pick up your ears and listen to me, and I will keep guard thy statutes. I will, and he doesn't say anything else, but I'm just going to, it's my will. He says, I'm not going to do anything, but keep that which you've engraven in my heart. And he goes on, and he says, and I cried unto thee, save me. He's going back to the word for help, deliver, help me, and I shall keep thy testimonies. He said, look, I need some help. I need you. I need to see you. I need the Lord on a very, very daily basis. I need him on an hourly basis. I need him on a minute-by-minute basis. I need him on a second-by-second basis. I need thee. Oh, I need thee. And the psalmist says, I can't go on without you. I will keep your statutes, but i got to have you. I I will keep your testimonies, but I've got to have some deliverance from you. I can't do this without you. And you know, that's true. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me, but I can't do anything else on my own. I must have the Lord. And the Lord is the one who gives me the strength that I need to keep on keeping on. He's the one that allows me to mount up with wings as eagles. He's the one that allows me to keep on keeping on. And so he is crying out and he is crying out to the right place and the right person for the right reasons because he says it is wholehearted. With all that I have within me, Lord, I want you to hear me. Please, I'm begging, and I'm imploring, and I'm commanding. Would you please hear me? Then I will, as an act of my will, I'm going to keep on guarding those testimonies and those statutes. He said, I prevented the dawning, meaning he got up before the uh, the morning. He got up before the dawning of the morning. He got up way before the, the, the darkness left and the daylight came. He said, I got up really, really early, and I cried. I yelled out loud because I needed you. He said, that's the way I started my day. I started, and by the way, when he said I got up early, it's in the intensive. I got up early for a purpose, and I cried. That's in the intensive. 
and he said, and I am hoping in thy word. All three of those are in that intensive stem. So he says, look, I got up way before the light, and I cried, and I hoped, and it's all what he needed to get going for the day. And I believe starting your day in with the Lord is the right way to go. I know you can have devotions at any time, and we can certainly have more than one devotion, but you just need to get up and have something, some kind of fellowship with God right away to get your day started in the right way. And the psalmist did it with an intensified way, saying, I'm not going to get up and do anything apart from you. I need you. I want you. Give me what I need. I'm crying out. I have hoped in thy word. I hoped in thy word. I hoped in thy word. And remember what our word hope is in the Bible? It is that confident expectation of patiently waiting for God. And he said, I have completely and totally waited, hoped, patient, expecting, expecting. I mean, I have hoped in thy word. That's what it's all about. He said, I am waiting for you to tell me how I'm going to get through all of these things that are going on because there's a lot of things going on and I don't want to miss anything. I don't want to mess up. It seems to me like through the good passages of this wonderful chapter and the harder passages where he's afflicted and there's enemies, it seems like the number one theme that keeps coming through is he is going to guard and stay in and hide the word of God in his heart so that he will live for his Lord, learn more about him, and not fall off the fence, and not fall into the background, and not fall into the shadows, and not get out of the will of God, and not find himself in the middle of a disaster, finding himself out of the way, having been seduced into error, and causing him to go a direction he should never have gone. He does not want any of that, and he is crying out to God, saying, I want your help. Would you please deliver me, save me? I cannot do this without you. I want you, and I'm not going anywhere without you. I want you to notice that what he did was he came boldly to pray. Can I remind you that you and I have been told by uh, the Word of God that we can do the very, very same thing? In fact, we always like to quote verse 16, but let's back it up and go to Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15. Seeing then that we have a great high priest in the context, we're talking about things of the Old Testament versus things of the New Testament. And we don't have the Old Testament priests. We don't have the Old Testament high priest. We don't have the high priest that was there in the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the book of Acts. No, no, we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God. That's exactly who it is. And Paul spelled it out. Let us hold our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin, tested to prove. Tested to prove he was the sinless, spotless Lamb of God who could take away the sin of the world. And because we have that high priest who took away the sin of the world and we have put our faith and trust in him and have had our sins forgiven and under the blood, let us, therefore, based on that, therefore, let us, therefore, come boldly, not cocky, boldly. There's a difference. That's that imperative sense. Lord, you said it. Now, I'm saying I want it. I'm commanding it because you said it. I can't command God to do anything, but what I know he has said he will do because he'll do exactly what he said he will do. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. And it is a throne of grace because we are getting what we do not deserve 
and we are not getting what we do deserve, grace and mercy, and that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. What an incredible thought process. We need our prayer time. We need to start each day with the Lord. We need a fellowship time, and we need to come boldly. Remember, Paul also said when he was talking to the Philippians who were kind of maybe having some issues with nervousness, worry, being pulled apart, he said, be careful for nothing. That means do not be pulled in two different directions. It has the idea of anxiety. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts, there's your word, guard again, and your minds through Christ Jesus. Now, look at this. The psalmist knew where to go, and he knew that that was his calming effect. He knew that that would be the place that he could find some peace would be to go to the Lord. And he went a little step further. He said, mine eyes prevent the night watches, that I might meditate in thy word. He said, I've hoped in thy word, and I got up early, so I could cry out to you and pray and wait patiently for you to talk to me from your word. I, I do that every morning. I pray and I get in the word and I start reading, waiting for him as I'm reading to talk to my heart for the new day. And he says, I, I get to my nighttime hours. I get to where I'm going to bed and my eyes have to go back and look on the word. I bring back up your word. My eyes keep me from going to sleep when I go to bed at night because I am constantly musing, thinking on your word. I want to know what your word says, and I want to know that your word is working and operating in my life. And so it's interesting. He reminds me of what uh, the psalmist said, evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud and listen to this, and he shall hear my voice. Even our Lord and Jesus Christ, he went up into a high mountain to pray, and he continued all night in prayer to God. He said, I'm crying because I've got to have help. I have my whole heart in it. I need you to hear, and I want some hope. And that hope is that confident expectation as I continually meditate on thy word. Now, he says, so one more time, verse 149, hear my voice according unto thy loving kindness. He says again in the imperative, hear me according to thy loving kindness. He said, I'm not doing it according to my demand. Don't hear me because I'm demanding it. Hear me because you're so loving and kind. And Lord, quicken me. Oh, Lord, quicken me. Make me alive. Breathe in me. Revive me according to thy judgment. Your very much righteous decrees, that which you have decreed, I absolutely have to stay in the Word of God. I want to be alive in the Word of God, and I want the Word of God to be alive in me, and I want to be alive in Jesus Christ, and I want Jesus Christ to be alive in me. Amen. It's called a living testimony. A living, walking testimony. You and I must be living, walking testimonies. What we portray should back up what we say. And when we say we love the Lord, then we should portray that we love the Lord. When we say that the Lord is awesome and wonderful and incredible and helps us through our trials, then we should portray that he's awesome 
and wonderful and helps us through our trials. When we say the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, I won't lack a thing, then we should portray that we're being shepherded and have need of nothing. When we say we love the Lord, we should portray that that love comes out of our body. When we say we have Christ in us, we should portray him shining through us. Amen. That's just what it's all about. The Lord's servants need to radiate the things of God. So he said, I need you to hear my voice according to thy loving kindness. I want this. Well, I can remind you that God wants to give you everything you need to get through these hard times. He's, uh, he, you know, he's talked about affliction up above, so he's still kind of talking about that. And he is going to tell us in verse 150 that there are those who follow after mischief. So he's still talking about these people that are creating problems and circumstances and situations. And so when we get to the book of James, one of the things that we find is that they were the early church and they'd been scattered abroad. And James was trying to kind of pull them together and say, look, wherever you ran from the persecution and landed, plant seeds and grow up. And he said, this is, you're going through trials and, and we get that. And you've got enemies and they don't like the church. But he said, may I say to you that you need to count it all joy when you fall into these types of things? He said, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Okay, the first thing I want you to notice is he said that you need to consider every kind of thing that happens in the world of being tried for your faith as a joy. And when he says, count it all joy, it's not in the present tense. If it was, we would say, oh, I'm not being joyful. Oh, Lord, I'm sorry. I need to count this as joy. And then we'd be joyful in that trial, and then all of a sudden we don't like it because the trial keeps going on, and we get unjoyful. It's in the aorist tense. It means at one point in time, make up your mind. Done deal. I'm going to be joyful, and I'm not going to go back to it. It's the way it is. I'm done. Joy is it. I, I choose joy. One-time decision. Don't need to make it again. And then he didn't say, my brethren, count it all joy if you fall into diverse temptation. Nope. He said when. So it's not only that it's, is it going to happen, but it's when is it going to happen. And then he said, when you fall. The idea is that trials don't announce themselves. and You don't get an upfront, okay, get ready for it. You fall into them. You, you, you stumble over them. You trip over them. And then he said, when you fall into not the temptations of life, tri uh, temptations and trials of life, but diverse temptations, manifold of many and of different types, of different degrees, of varying means. Ooh. He said, but here's the thing. When you're being tried, and again, the word temptation is either an evil word or a good word. It depends on the context, whether it's trials or temptations. Watch the next verse. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith, so it's a trial of your faith. There it is. Knowing this, and it's gnosko, to know by experience. Knowing by experience that the trying of your faith worketh patience. It keeps on working patience. It keeps on helping you become a better, more patient, more waiting, more expecting Christian. But, by contrast, here, listen. Let the patience work. Let patience have her perfect work. It's complete work. Let it work in you that you may be perfect, mature, complete, and entire, wanting nothing, lacking out a thing. But 
Here you go. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and it braideth not, and it shall be given him. Let him ask. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like the wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Ask the right way. The psalmist got up. He cried early in the morning, and he cried out with an imperative. I need help. I need revival. I want you. I can't make it. I need what, whatever I need. If you lack wisdom, ask. I'm asking. I need you right now. I need you today. I want you today. That's the way to start your day, my friend. Start your day with the Lord. We see the crying. Now we see the coming. Verses 150 and 151. There are two words here. The first was in 150, they draw nigh. And 151, thou art near. Now watch this. The first draw nigh has everything to do with to come uh, uh, close, to approach, to come towards somebody. So we see the first coming in verse 150 are the foes, the enemy. And it says, they draw nigh that follow after mischief. They pursue mischief. That's what they want. They don't like anything but that which is conduct that is loose and immoral and mischievous and wrong. It has the idea of wickedness, lewdness, and sin. That, that's a word mischief is a strong word there. And he said, they draw nigh. They come near. And it, again, the way the tense is that they're all coming. The whole complete mess of them. All those that follow mischief, they're, they're trying to get close to me. And he said, but as close as they're trying to get to me, the bad news is they are far from thy law. They're far away from the things of God. Therefore, it's very important that the psalmist have all this help above. It's amazing. There's one verse in this whole section that deals with these people who are mischievous coming in this section. Now, we know about the verses above, but he says they're coming closer they're far from you, but they're coming closer. So I have spent some time begging you with my whole heart to get me ready to not mess up and to stay far away from their mischief. So we see the first drawing nigh. But look at this next one. Thou art near, O Lord, and all thy commandments are truth. He said, listen, there is the foe, but there's the friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He's near. And this word near not draw nigh, but this word near is a very interesting word. It indicates being very, very close in time and space. It has to do with being right there at hand. It refers to the imminency of being right there, meaning that he's, if you need him, he's there. He doesn't have to walk to you. He's there. He's already in your tomorrow. He's already there. You say, what am I going to? He's there. Thou art near you're right there close by and I am so glad he is close by who would ever want to be far away from the things of the Lord I can't think of anybody that would want to be that far away from God's word I can't think of anybody that would think it would be great to be far away from the things of God I don't want to be anywhere but where I'm supposed to be in the things of God hallelujah I want to be there. And I, all his commandments, they're truth. Everything he's commanded, 100% truth. There's nothing that's not the truth. Thou art near. That tells me a couple things. Number one, that he is compassionate. My Lord and Savior is compassionate. He is very, very much in love with us. The Bible makes it very, very clear. For God so loved the world, even when we were sinners, he died for us. 
But then it shows the great deep love in which Paul said we can't even fathom that love. And he wanted to pray that the Ephesians could actually experience that love. Number two, he is caring. He is constantly caring for us. And he is constantly trying to encourage us. He is caring. He absolutely wants what's best for us. And he is going to do everything he can to get us to see that serving him is a far better way to go. He's compassionate. He's caring. He's consoling. He will help you in those hard times and help you to get back on your feet and tell you to keep on keeping on. Thou art near. You are close. Well, if he's near, draw nigh to God. He will draw nigh to you. God didn't move. You did. But the closer you get, the closer he'll be. He'll draw nigh to you. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. And keep your hands clean, you double-minded. And purify your hearts. Keep on keeping on. There is an incredible closeness you can have with the Lord. And that incredible closeness you ought to be seeking on a daily basis. Like he's a real person. Don't pray like you're praying to a wall. Pray to the real God of heaven. And let him flood your heart and soul with his words. And have a sweet fellowship and love and joy and delight of the things of God. He said, Thou art near, O Lord. And all thy commandments are truth. You do not lie. You do not fib. You do not do anything that is evil or wrong. There's a closeness. And there is a compassion. And there is a caring. And there is a consolation. Then the last verse of the section. We've gone from crying and coming to considering. Concerning thy testimonies. I have known of old that thou hast founded them forever. He said, I considered the record, thy testimonies, the record, the witness. I considered it. I, I've listened to it. And concerning that, this is what I've known. I have had this knowledge. This is something I know to be true, and you cannot shake me of it. I have confessed this. This is something I have discerned, learned, and perceived, and confessed. I know this to be true. I know of old thou hast founded or established them. The, uh, you see the, con the considering, the evidence, and the establishment, the record, the founding. I know that when it comes to those testimonies, that record that you have, that impeccable record of your word always being true, I know that it's founded forever. I know that it's been established. I know that it's been founded by you forever. And I have known of old that thou hast done that. Listen, I've known of old since I've been saved that God created the heavens and the earth. I've known of old that it's his word. And since I've been saved, I've known of old that his word is the only authority in my life that will help me and keep me going. Yes, sir. Crying, but there's also caring. There's the crying of the saint, and there is the caring of the Savior. Father, in the name of Jesus, help us to keep on keeping on. There's a war to fight and a battle to win. And there is a wonderful, wonderful place to go when we're all said and done. And though we get up, may we cry out to you in the morning. We need you. Start our day with you. And then we will come back and watch you care for us as we do what you've asked us to do. We'll thank you for everything you do for us now. In the blessed name of Jesus, amen and amen. This is Pastor Walton praying that you have an absolutely awesome and wonderful week. Yes, I believe every word that he said is true. I believe he'll do 
what he said he would do How I love his precious word It thrills me through and through I believe every word is true Oh, I believe every word that he said is true I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do How I love his precious word It thrills me through and through I believe every You've been listening to the Teaching Timeless Truths radio broadcast with Pastor Roger Walton. You can send all correspondence to tttbroadcasts at gmail.com. Tune in again next week for another Timeless Truth.